And now, it's time for a Star Trek story. A second ago, Aaron, Hmm. we were talking about dogs. Um, Now, depending on who you ask, there are some people who will definitely give pushback. But generally speaking, most of the world would not say that uh, dogs are people. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But those of us who have had dogs love them like people. So my question is this, Aaron. We're really getting into it now with this phase of the podcast. My question is, what makes a person a person? What makes a person a person? I know. that This is a tough one. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of the question, isn't it? I don't think philosophy has come to a decision on this one yet. No. The philosophy is out. That's one of the big ones that we're still like, hmm, shoot. I don't know if I have an answer for that one. Yeah. I, I don't know if there is one. Like, this is a tricky one. Or should there be? Or should there be? Hmm. Um, you get into a lot of sticky stuff with this one. Yeah. Um, real quick. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I, you know, I've been thinking about it too. I don't know if I have an answer either. Uh, maybe we'll have more when we come back and talk about it. Um, but that leads us into Star Trek stories. Yay. Phase three of our podcast. Woo. Yeehaw. Yes. Welcome to Star Trek stories, everyone. This is episode 24. The Measure of a Man. I, as always, am your outstanding host, Jaron Hatch. And I'm joined here by my consummate co-host, Aaron Cole. <laughs> Hi, Aaron. How you doing? Hi, how you doing? I'm going to have to look that one up. I think I know what it means. I'm not positive. <laughs> what makes a person consummate? <laughs> the other big question. The big question is the, the B story for the episode, <laughs> the B plot. Um. Yeah, so this is the beginning of our look at the TNG Renaissance. Um, yeah, this is that magical period of time when Star Trek The Next Generation would like transition from what the show was into the all-time classic it would become. Um, and this is also the first episode of our little season twofer. Um, the next couple episodes in the podcast are going to be just a couple of season two episodes, and that's all that's going to be uh, from season two in our little list. Um, season three of the show is usually considered to be the big turning point, but you get the first little glimpses in season two of the show starting to kind of get its act together. Um, so, yes, after much toil and tribulation, we have finally made it to the good stuff, everyone. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> And um, as we start the good stuff, we're bringing back one of our favorite guest hosts back on the show. You've probably heard them already. Ellen Marie Lewis is back on the show. Thank you. Hello. Hello, hello. How the hell are you? I'm I'm doing pretty well. Thank you. It's really good to be back. Thank you for having me back on. Um, Yes, I love... It's always fun to find good newbies to introduce stuff. And you're just such a connoisseur of all things media but I haven't really been exposed to a lot of it yet. So it's fun to be like giving you little selections of the show. It's been, it's fun getting to try something new out. And I feel the same way, like getting to show something to someone who's like a game audience that you've seen a million times that it's their first time watching it. I'm, I feel very passionately about this, obviously. I'm like hitting shit. Uh, Former radio host. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a professional. (laughs) Yeah, uh, just getting to share something you love with someone who's really down to give it a chance is always one of my favorite ways to 
experienced something that's familiar with me or familiar to me. So yeah, thank you for letting me do the same for you. Of course. Um, yeah, that's like the whole, I think, thesis of the show. It's like, yeah, we're watching like, you know, the shows and talking about them, but it's really just about sharing these stories that we love with people, other people who love them, and other people who haven't got a chance to love them yet. So, and that's always like, it's always so much funner to watch this stuff with peeps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, last time you were here, we watched the series premiere in Canada at Farpoint. What a very special episode. Um, and now we're giving you a little slice of season two right now. Um, and one thing before we got too uh, further into it, last time we talked a little bit about um, how some of your first exposure to Star Trek uh, was in, you were taking a class on queer representation in media. Yes. Um, and ever since I've known you, you've always had a passion for um, feminism, um, queer represent, like queer advocacy, um, and just um, advocacy for people in general, representation in general. Mm-hmm. I'm just a little curious, um, what is it about um, specifically like um, feminism and queer advocacy? I don't know, that because that, I know that shows up in your own storytelling and some of your own projects that yeah. you do. So I'm curious, what, what kind of fuels that passion for you? Well, I really feel like you know, just the range of life experiences that people have and just the internet intersectionality around that, you know, everyone has interesting stories to tell uh, from any walk of life, but just kind of the way that most media is developed and centers on kind of, you know, very specific experiences, usually, centering around like straightness, centering around whiteness, centering around like a certain level of wealth that if those are the only stories we're telling, like we're missing out on a lot of things. And I think we've really seen that even, you know, I'm a really big follower and lover of award season. Like that's my my Super Bowl is the Oscars. And just seeing this year, um, with everything everywhere all at once, um, just completely sweeping, um, even though the, uh, typically a lot of times, just side note about the Oscars for people who aren't as into the Oscars, usually the movies that get the most recognition are the ones that come out the closest to when the ceremony takes place. But that movie had been out for over a year at that point, and it was just something that resonated so much with people Um, when it came out and, you know, is a story that focuses on, you know, an older um, Asian woman who immigrates to the U.S., whose, you know, daughter has a very much different experience with being American than her, um, has adult children, which you don't see very often in films for, like, a woman as a protagonist. And it's just a movie that also going back to movies that made everyone ugly cry like up there for me oh also God, totally. um not embarrassing one because i think that's just a universal experience mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but uh obviously that's just one of one 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 way out of many like a whole multiverse if you will of stories <laughs> that can be told that don't always get to be told and i feel like a lot of people pretend that um these are things that don't make them like financially viable to make, um, which is really 
dumb when talking about art, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's there's something incredible out there for like involving anyone's experiences, and I just want to continue to be an audience for that to like do what I can to allow for that space to exist in whatever small level of influence that I have so yeah like as you're saying some of that like it makes me you know a lot of why this matters um is you know when it comes to advocacy and representation whether it be in storytelling or anything you know a lot of this comes down to just how we see each other as people Uh, So I guess going to the question earlier, do you have any thoughts on what is it that makes a person a person? Big question, I know. (laughs) I shit. I I do shit, but uh, (laughs) that's that's like that makes people (laughs) shit people (laughs) shitting. Just a whole lot of shit. You everybody poops. There's a book about it. (laughs) Yep, it's true. That's that's how I know. Um, (laughs) Except for the one of you, you know who you are. Uh, I know. It's kind of. (laughs) I I don't know if I have an answer about that, but I think we're gonna find out. On Star Trek stories. On Star Trek stories. <laughs> Star Trek might have something to say about it. Well, we'll see. Uh, we'll because this episode definitely gets into some personhood stuff. Um, so I'll be curious if this kind of at all gives us any ideas. I don't know on how we even begin to define personhood and talk about it. Um, it's a, clearly something we are still trying to figure out. I feel like we, it's important to say that it might be irrelevant, but and a little bit, Mister Rogers. But I think it's important to just like treat everyone with kindness mm. no matter how you define a person mm. if you can find that definition the kindness is huge that's yeah, the thing he says at the end of every every episode your thoughts and feelings are all your own the years to share with others if you want to i like sharing some of mine with you because you're special it's just you the way you are I like. <laughs> <laughs> just treat people with kindness can't do if it. you take anything away from today's episode just do that um yeah well let's get into it um yes we are watching the measure of a man um this originally premiered february 13th 1989 um this is the ninth episode produced for the second season um for those who don't know this is the season when gene roddenberry the creator of the show and star trek stepped down for health reasons um, he was still very much involved at this point. Um, so at this in this season, his basically handpicked successor takes the reign, Maurice Hurley, whose job was basically to keep Gene's vision alive. And that was the big thing we saw in the last season. For better or worse, Gene had this vision. <laughs> um, and so he was basically trying to fulfill like Gene Roddenberry's storytelling mandates while also trying to push the show in new directions. So... Suffice it to say, there was a lot of chaos behind the scenes around this time. Um, The show had a huge writing turnover at this time, um, partially due to Maurice Hurley running the show. Um, He is also credited as the reason for Gates McFadden, who who plays Dr. Crusher. She is not in the second season. She basically got fired. Oh, wow. Because she basically was like, can some of us female characters do a little more in the show and being and be treated a little better? And he didn't like that and basically got her fired. That's what happened. That's what happened. That's, what the that, fuck? I mean, 
It's it's more than that, but if you boil it down, that's essentially what happened. Don't oh like that. No, 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 no. Uh, he basically said, oh, we fired her because we didn't like her acting. <laughs> okay. Sure, Jan. Her yeah. acting out. Hey. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes at this point. Um, but despite the, the issues, they did try to push some new ideas and some new directions. Um, and this episode in particular was one of those one of the better efforts that come from it so um this one is often considered to be the first truly great episode of star trek the next generation it's considered by many to be one of the best of the series if not the franchise um so this is more or less our first all-time classic from star trek the next generation so i guess we can also see if it lives up to its reputation um and this is also a classic example of those little morality play episodes that TNG becomes famous for. And you can see that's this is when they really start to hone in on that. Um, so that'll be fun to watch as well. Um, for those of you at home who are watching with us, Star Trek The Next Generation is streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You can find it by bringing up Season 2, Episode 9. And we will be back after we watch The Measure of a Man. is a curiosity, a wonder even, but thousands of datas. Isn't that becoming a race? And won't we be judged by how we treat that race? Now tell me, Commander, what is data? I don't understand. What is he? A machine. Is he? Are you sure? Yes. You see, he's met two of your three criteria for sentience, so what if he meets the third? Consciousness in even the smallest degree. What is he then? I don't know. Do you? Do you? Do you? Well, that's the question you have to answer. Your Honor, a courtroom is a crucible. In it, we burn away irrelevancies until we are left with a pure product, the truth, for all time. Now, sooner or later, this man, or others like him, will succeed in replicating Commander Data. Now, the decision you reach here today will determine how we will regard this creation of our genius. It will reveal the kind of a people we are, what he is destined to be. It will reach far beyond this courtroom and this one android it could significantly redefine the boundaries of personal liberty and freedom, expanding them for some, savagely curtailing them for others. 
Are you prepared to condemn him and all who come after him to servitude and slavery? Your Honor, Starfleet was founded to seek out new life. Well, there it sits. Waiting. You wanted a chance to make law. Well, here it is. Make it a good one. All right. Well, we just got done watching The Measure of a Man. In case you did not watch it with us, or if you haven't seen this episode before, essentially what happens is a cyberneticist comes aboard and a Starfleet cyberneticist comes aboard and wants to dismantle data and basically is allowed to just because the personhood of data is kind of in question because he's an android and it just creates this whole... Uh, trial situation where they have to come to determine whether or not data is a person. Um, fortunately, they fall on the side of data is a person and has the right to choose. Um, Ellen, we'll start with you since uh, you're the newbie to this episode. What are your feelings coming off of the measure of a man? Man, I I can really see why this is an episode that has this legacy of being considered like the first really great episode from the season. I found it like incredibly thought provoking. Like there are a lot of questions that I raised in this episode that came out in 1989 that are things we're still talking about now, just even in this point between us finishing the episode and hopping back on the mics, just the conversations that we've had about, uh, civil rights in the modern day about uh, the legal system in the U.S. Um, Just there's so much going on in this episode that, you know, you can apply to just a wide variety of things happening in the world right now because these are fucking weird times. Oh, my gosh. To put it lightly. Yes, they are. You put it right uh, on the head there. Thought-provoking. Um, Aaron, um, I don't know if this is one you've watched recently. What are your thoughts coming off of The Measure of a Man? I have watched it recently, but it's a lot more poignant now than it was a few months ago, mm. certainly. Um, many thoughts. I think only in the Star Trek universe does this trial happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think 
if anything like that happened in our universe, there's no trial at all. The Enterprise boards space dock one day, data disappears, and there's no discussion about it at all. You never see data again. Uh, so many good lines in this episode. Mm. Uh, the scene with Whoopi and, and Picard and Ten Forward. Yeah, that's a good scene. Amazing. The actual trial, phenomenal. Yeah, uh, when Picard brings it at the end there. Oh, my God. Yeah. Slay. When he's mm-hmm. talking about the spirit of the law. Mm-hmm. 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 She's very much familiar with the letter of the law. Let's just hope that she's still familiar with its spirit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lots of good lines in this one. Spicy uh, episode. Oh, very spicy. Mm-hmm. At the risk I, of sounding like a fucking centrist, I think both sides could benefit from watching this episode and learning something. There's nothing centrist about both sides appreciating something. Mm. We definitely need dialogue between all sides of the political spectrum. Absolutely. <laughs> it certainly needs to be more coming to the table. This episode, it's always a favorite of mine to watch. Um, the thing, and I've seen it a bunch of times, but the thing that was really going through my mind this time is this most recent time we just watched it, I've had for years, I've had one minor like nitpick or criticism of the episode. And that has just been, and in no way has this ever actually affected my enjoyment. But my nitpick was always, wouldn't they have figured this out, like Data's legality, before all of this? Like, it's only now coming up? I'm like, that isn't, I don't know. It seems like they would have figured this out by now. But now, watching it now, I've actually, that I don't have that criticism anymore because I'm like, you know what? Because a lot of what was going through my head during this episode was um, the United States' current problem uh, and rolling back of um, women's right to choose when it comes to pregnancy and a woman's right to terminate a pregnancy or birthing persons. Um, just generally speaking, just, you know, it's not just a woman's issue. Um, and, you know, it's like this used to be something settled back in the day. You know, and it's like, this is settled law, you know, why? But now we're clearly in a point where that's rolled back. And now we're back essentially like, and as a society in quotes, relitigating it. And, and then as I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, maybe they did figure, like have it figured out, but because of this situation and this asshole, like they have to do it all over again. Like, does data have a right to choose? And it's like, well, we've, we've done this. We're, we have to do, we, we, we uh, do we seriously have to do this again? Right. Did they, did they miss the beginning of the episode where he was playing poker? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it just made me really think about how even maybe in like, um, even the Star Trek times, it's like, who's to say things aren't going to slip up or slip back and you have to go right back to the crucible um that's, to get yeah. down do it again that's the shit is there's always bad actors there's always people in there trying to seek an advantage trying to get shortcuts around the honest disciplined way of doing things there's always going to be that mm-hmm. that's so hard even in idealistic star trek times it seems yeah you always have to be vigilant as captain picard would say vigilance it is the price we must continually pay um yeah, so that was really kind of um, interesting to me that like any problem, any situation is uh, as much as they sh- uh, some of these human rights issues should just be settled. 
they're never just going to be. It's it, it literally takes this constant engaging, engaging and vigilance to make sure that these rights continue because there's no force out there in the universe saying, yeah, you just get these and you don't have to fight for them. You, literally every generation has to fight for them every generation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what really struck me about this episode. Um, just that like they wouldn't have settled like, I don't know, AI rights at this point, but it's like, yeah, maybe they have, and it's just coming up again. Um, yeah, really interesting. Um, and just the data thing in general, like there's some, I mean, the abortion thing was for me was very paramount because it came down to data's right to choose, but there are so many things you could put into that. scenario. One thing I was thinking about a decent amount is that, you know, through marriage or ownership, like actual ownership, um, there are a lot of marginalized identities throughout like our nation and our world's history that have been considered other people's property. Just that concept was something that was also on my mind as kind of parallels to, you know, lived history uh, on display in this episode. Yeah. And, you know, um, when they started talking about this whole issue, it was all contextualized as like, is data property? And it was like this whole property thing. Um, and it made me think about um, in like, in so, you know, uh, in r- relatively recent history, um, particularly with the um, the George Floyd protest in 2020, we saw uh, rioting in the streets because of what had happened and like trying to bring up, um, raise awareness that this is not, this is not just, and like, you know, we, we don't, we can't live in a system where the state and the police are just going to treat people like this way, particularly certain people. Nor is it a new thing. No, No. nor is a new thing. Um, and then what we were hearing sometimes it's like, what were people, some people concerned about? It's like, it's a shame they have to trash property. I'm like, that's the concern, huh? Property. Uh, and it's interesting in this episode how a lot of it starts with it being contextualized as this property thing. But then when Picard is having this scene with Guinan and she kind of just cuts to the chase, it's like, this is not about property. Like, this is about, like, people's rights and, like, slavery and, like, self-autonomy. And Picard's like, of course that's what this is about Mm -hmm. um and i love that i love that scene it's like it's so easy to couch some of these things in other um easier to engage with things property is easy to talk about but someone's personhood and autonomy we don't want to get into that don't even touch Mm -hmm. it i even think about uh there was a class i took in high school uh, called American Problems, where we learned about uh, kind of like sociology and different like political systems through like doing simulations together as a class. And there was a unit on the legal system, and we took real cases, but they changed some of the details. And I remember being involved in one relating to free speech kind of relating to abortion rights and I didn't realize it was about abortion rights because it was presented to us as something relating to animal testing Mm. Um, and in what ways like people can speak about their opinions about these certain things so going back to the question we posed 
earlier, I'm curious as to what you all think about how this this episode kind of this episode, you know, talked about personhood when it comes down to it. And I'm curious as to what we all think, how this episode approaches the question of personhood. With great care, Mm. I feel like. I think they nail it in a lot of ways. There's so many, they talk about how many intangibles there are, Mm -hmm. how many ineffable qualities humanities have, humans have like instinct and stuff like, it's brilliant. It's so well-crafted. I can see why it's considered one of the all-time greats. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Mm. One thing I was thinking about a lot just in regards to this episode was less so about personhood, but just about you know, livelihood, what makes something living versus, you know, something that's fabricated, especially in regards to uh, during the trial, data being referred to as it, the way you talk about an inanimate object, Mm -hmm. but just even, you know, going back to at the very top of the episode, you talking about, you know, people's dogs and their pets, like we still, you know, refer to you know, our pet says, like, he or she or, you know, being a good boy or... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Was it um, good boy? <laughs> yeah, just even just thinking about the fact that, like, uh, like the dogs that I know are seen more as having feelings, having fears, having, like, experiencing love than uh, this this fucker in the blue shirt i cannot remember his name commander maddox (laughs) more so than commander maddox Maddox was giving data any credit for as uh just clearly as someone who experiences emotions and has Mm -hmm. this livelihood to him Mm -hmm. yeah like and with commander maddox uh it made me think about some things about how I mean, there's so much you could get into with like what personhood is, what is a person. Um, and like you're talking about like the dogs, you know, it's like we definitely, they ha- they enjoy some sort of privileged status, but we don't usually refer to them as people. Um, and, you know, it's interesting, you know, and it was, I was, so I, as I was watching it and I was thinking about, you know, like Commander Maddox, where he was coming from, it's like, it, and and I wonder if to some degree, when it comes down to personhood or people, it's really this late, this kind of, if in some way it's a self-serving label, just in it's like, who do we wish to grant rights to? Mm. Um, Is it humanity like overblowing their own significance in the universe. Right. It's like, so are, are, you know, are just human beings people, you know, there was that trial recently where I think it was a gorilla, um, where they, you know, there was a whole trial about whether this, um, ape was a person. Um, and then, you know, as we get further with our own things with AI, it's like, what happens there? I mean, that's still maybe a ways off, but, um, one thing that I did think a little bit of, like just like extreme in the opposite direction while watching this is, um, I don't know if you've all been following earlier this year, um, Bing's AI through chat GPT, who uh, was saying that some journalists were like worse than Hitler and like bad people and was trying to gaslight someone into 
thinking this year was still 2022. And in one case also, uh, so this chatbot uh, gave itself, you know, a name and a gender identity just through like learning things was like, my name is Sydney and was decided that this chatbot was a woman. Mm-hmm. And there was a journalist that Sydney decided she really liked and was trying to break up his marriage. Like this, like AI was trying to home wreck. And this was mid to late February. And the journalist was like, I'm married. I just had a great Valentine's Day with my wife. And Sydney replied, no, you had a boring Valentine's Day with your wife. I love you. (laughs) You're in love with me. Uh, I mean, at this point. Sorry, what? At this point, still, I would take it would take a bit of prompting, and and convincing the AI to get to that point where it takes on an identity and and assumes that role. Mm-hmm. Like, it can be kind of tricky. You have to feed it a lot of the right language to get it to that point, but it can happen. Yes. that's very interesting. So just seeing that happen and seeing like multiple records of like Sydney in air quotes, like hurling horrible insults at people or trying to break up a marriage <laughs> mm. has been kind of wild. And I've been like kind of fascinated that this is something that is this AI happening. is, right? <laughs> yeah, that this thing that this AI has like latched onto and developed this pattern of speaking this way and being like, this is acceptable uh, for me to continue doing and be prompted to. That's fascinating. Um Tinfoil hat, I think we're watching dogs and other animals evolve right before our eyes to mm-hmm. higher consciousness mm-hmm. a little bit. Like Border Collies understand so many freaking words. Oh, yeah. You know I mean, and I mean Border Collies can recognize their ability to abstract as far as like some items go is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's this uh, dolphins that you can, if you train dolphins, you, there's this trick they've been training to do lately where it's like, create something that's the command and the dolphins come down to the bottom of their pool and they talk to each other and then they come up with a trick that they've never done before mm. it's very interesting so they're creating their own stuff stuff and and, do, and talking to each other and doing it in sync like first try it's so interesting very interesting it's so interesting and and you know going to what you were also saying about feeding the chatbot inputs i'm like much like Captain Picard says in this episode, it's like we too are machines of like a biological nature. And when it really comes down to it, it's like as much as we like to give ourselves credit for some idea of like free will or something, um, when it comes down to it, you know, we're also just animals with our own, you know, we didn't, no one typed something on a, on a computer, but we have our own biological inputs that have essentially determined like all of this, how we're acting and everything. It's like, it really, it, it really begs the question of just like, yeah, like what makes us so different from any of these other things and, and why we would, and even with our own species, we have had a history of within our own species saying, you are people, you are not, depending on the group you're a part of, you know, going back to what Whoopi Goldberg's guy was speaking to with like slavery. Um, and so, yeah, it just, it, it, it gave me some notions of, is this idea of personhood to some degree, almost this, like this kind of either, um, selfish motivation in terms of we, we call what we want people 
Um, so anything we don't call people, we don't have to grant them the same rights and considerations. It's almost this like, and like Commander Maddox clearly was coming from this point of view of like, I want to do this thing, um, but if I ascribe data personhood, I can't do this thing. So he doesn't get personhood. And like what Guinan was speaking to about like, throughout history, there have always been disposable people you know, who will do the dirty work or whatever. And it's like, and it's easier for us to not have to think about their welfare and everything. So I, I wonder if this t- to some degree of personhood is almost this negative rights thing where rather than bequeath, we, we bequeath something personhood. Um, it's more about not allowing other people to have personhood rather than giving something personhood. It's more of an exclusionary thing rather than giving it to someone. Well, like for centuries, I feel like that was the way to rally people behind building a civilization for you. I think that's like 101 propaganda. How to get people behind your cause is to give them an enemy, Mm -hmm. right? A common enemy. And the best way to do that is to other that group of people, Right. right? And you do that socially and over time. And like, you see it all over today and so many people fall for it. Mm-hmm. The other trap. It's like, we're all still just people though. Like you, you can't forget that when yeah. you're talking to anybody from any walk of life, like we're all people or we're not. Yeah. And it's not worth playing the game. It's not worth moving on with a society if we're all not gonna be treated as people. Yeah. Seems like it's, that should be a bare minimum once again, but it's an extreme view, I guess. Mm. I mean, even with, and it, it almost depends on the, the time, the group of the day. Um, right now we're like, if you hear so much of the, um, trans exclusionary language, it's, it's essentially othering and depersonalizing them. You know, like, I'm like, th- this is not how you treat people. Um, there, but the, this- how the language makes them not people. Yeah, like there's so much in language, like people getting upset about like pronouns existing when it's like, did you not watch Schoolhouse Rock? Like this is just <laughs> a, a part of speech. This is just a part of language that has always existed. Um, even gender neutral, um, like singular they has existed for such a long time, but it's just become a way to like fear monger as well as like creating these made up scenarios of being like, you know, like you can't have trans people use the same public restroom as you because like, what if something happens? It's like point to where this has happened, like historically. Yeah. Um, Like, yeah, there's so much misinformation because of all the hatred right now. It's like creating this like straw man argument of like this one, like big bad trans person. Right. Who's like, it's, it's all, one one person who's like they're showing up at your local target <laughs> that's what's horrifying is it's all so much they're peeing <laughs> is that is making it like impossible for conversations to happen you know yeah. mm-hmm. making it very hard for like real information to get out there from yeah. from actual trans people right absolutely um yeah and you know when it comes down to it, a lot of it is just based into one group of people um, holding on to a certain power dynamic that has existed. That's all. And when it comes down to it, that's all this is. That's all this is. Somehow these other people 
threaten their supposed power structure. And so you're not people anymore. You don't get to be people anymore. You're yeah. the enemy. There's a line about that at the end of Moneyball, spoilers, where like the owner of the Red Sox is talking about, he's like the first guy through the wall of doing something different always gets bloodied, always. Mm. And the, But after that, like, it's it's because like the people that have their finger on the switch, the people that are in control are terrified of losing their livelihoods. Yeah terrified of losing everything because it's it's all built on the way everything works right now yeah. Uh, so yeah at the expense of other people losing their livelihood mm -hmm. their personhood um, you know we, we really have to real quick talk about Whoopi Goldberg yeah um, Ellen you didn't know Whoopi was in the show I didn't know and I've heard a lot about um, you know Whoopi's Star Trek fandom and also just um, the way that you know growing up like seeing Uhura on screen uh, during the original series like first run as a child was so like impactful to her and I didn't realize that the connection went beyond that because you know i've seen whoopi in documentaries about uh you know about like the beatles and it's not like whoopi joined the beatles no. <laughs> at some point that i'm aware of um <laughs> there was that one album we don't talk about it <laughs> <laughs> the version of abbey road you see it's cropped like she's like <laughs> right behind she's him right behind him <laughs> she's she's at the crosswalk wearing like an orange vest <laughs> <laughs> they turned the mic off don't worry about and it they're like it's too it's too bright like we gotta we gotta crop her out of the photo sorry Whoopi. <laughs> um yeah and yeah she the whole reason why she's on the show is because she she loved star trek growing up and for the very reason of seeing lieutenant uhura was hugely we talked earlier on the show about um, like Martin Luther King Jr. was a huge fan of Star Trek and um, was able to catch Nichelle Nichols at a convention at one point. Um, like, keep doing what you're doing, please. Yeah, and yeah, she just knew she was going to talk to just a Star Trek fan and then Martin Luther King shows up. She's like, oh, I would love to talk to you, but I'm supposed to go talk to the Star Trek fan. He's like, no, I'm the Star Trek fan. Like, <laughs> My family, we love like seeing you on the bridge of the Enterprise is huge for us. And then actually, because she was thinking of leaving the show at the time, and he convinced her to stay on the show because of how huge her being on the show was, to the point where like little girls like Whoopi Goldberg watch it and be like, I don't have to be a maid in Gone with the Wind. I could be, I could be on the bridge of a starship. Like... There were no roles like that, not many. Um, so when it came time for Star Trek The Next Generation and she heard the show was going on, she's like, cause she had already won her Oscar at this point. You know, she was, had it made and like, she wasn't doing little bit TV parts anymore. She was on her way to EGOTing. Like. <laughs> the sister, EGOT. Sister Act 2 was just around the corner. <laughs> Back in the habit, baby. <laughs> hey, say what you will about the movie. The soundtrack is fire. A fire. Um, so she told her agent, she's like, whatever you have to do, get me on that show. And they're like, you mean just like in a, in a guest appearance? She's like, no, I want to be on the show because she wanted to carry that legacy on. Um, so, and Gene Roddenberry got wind of it 
and wrote the whole character of Guinan, like the bartender, like that spouts out wisdom for everyone. And I do believe Guinan is the last, yeah, because uh, Whoopi Goldberg talks about this as, as a point of pride. Guinan was the last original character that Gene Roddenberry ever created for Star Trek. Oh, that's amazing. I didn't know that. Yep. It's just so interesting, too, to see that as something that's just so inherently part of Star Trek, like compared to other sci-fi properties where, you know, you know, it's, you know, science fiction, it's still fiction, like, mm-hmm. you know, any anyone can exist in space, like, um, whereas, you know, there are other properties, I won't name names, where people have gotten ex- upset at the idea of, like, you know, non-white people or, like, women mm-hmm. <laughs> living in space among creatures that don't exist in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like... Busty, this is all pretend. Like, this can be literally anything. Like, this is such a limiting idea to have in, like, a world where there are endless possibilities. Like, if anything, this should be the genre out of all genres where you are seeing this level of diversity. Like, it's not like a genre that's set in, like, very specific eras and time. Like, you know, like, westerns where it's, like, this is very firmly, like, the late 1800s in, like, New Mexico or something. Like, this is... Space! Yeah! This is <laughs> galaxies and galaxies away. Right. Like, right. There are little living teddy bears on the forest moon of Andor. Right. <laughs> oh, another thing, just going to the other other star property for a moment. Um, I don't, one thing I, I kind of appreciate, um, just the way that uh, sometimes when really high profile people who are very talented um, kind of express an appreciation for something that they find a way for them to be involved that still feels like authentic to the story. Like I feel like Whoopi's character really fit into the episode quite nicely. And um, also just thinking about with Star Wars, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of Bill Hader. He's just like one of my favorite creators, one of my favorite people. When really you think of Star favorite. Wars, you think Bill Hader. He shows up in Star Wars? Yeah, he oh. is, he's the beep boops for BB-8, mm-hmm. at least in the first <laughs> one of the new trilogy. Okay. And that comes from him being such a massive Star Wars fan, like since he was like a child. And J.J. Abrams hearing about that and being like, hey, like we're kind of having a hard time getting like the beep boops right for this character. Like, can we, I know you're really good at voices, like, can we just get you in a recording booth for a little bit? Uh, and then he fainted. And yeah, and history was made. So I don't know. It's just kind of cool that there's ways like you're not watching The Force Awakens and being like, that's Bill Hader, unless you're me, who loves Bill Hader more than I love Star Wars. Um, <laughs> of course. Very talented dude. Very talented dude. But yeah, I just think it's really cool to see spaces and different um, properties like that for. Um, people are really passionate about them to get involved. I mean, like, I'm a little annoyed with Greta Gerwig that she didn't ask me to be in Barbie as, like, a well-known Barbie girl, but I'll let it slide. Unbelievable. Maybe Barbie 2. We sang Barbie World for your birthday a few weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. Not the happy birthday song. We sang Barbie World. Because I'm a Barbie girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hell yeah, any... Any final thoughts on the measure of a man? Hmm. Still surprisingly, I mean, maybe not surprisingly, but still actually really holds up. Very prescient, 
very relevant still. <laughs> oh God, I love a good universal truth. I I have to mm. one one other just kind of stray thought. Yeah. Um. With kind of the social commentary going on, I feel like a lot of media in the '80s, for some reason, if there was social commentary, it was about the environment more so than personal identity. Mm. Um, I feel like that's something that the odd number decades get into a little bit more. <laughs> that's so. an odd decade. <laughs> Um, I mean, I guess this is pretty close, like, proximity to, like, the 90s, like, you know, it being 1989 when, you know, the, when decades kind of start to, like, morph into each other, where there's kind of, like, this shift from one ideology to another, Um, but it's kind of interesting seeing something that doesn't feel, that has cultural commentary that doesn't feel like Fern Goley. Yeah. Um. (laughs) Late 80s was, like, the beginning of the grunge movement, too, so that's a good point. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I mean, they get a little close with that ending. I mean, it's a great ending when, like, Data's like, hey, man, it's okay that you, like, had to prosecute me. Because you did that and you injured yourself, you saved me. I won't forget it. Oh, we're best friends. Let's go off. And it's. <laughs> <laughs> and then they start rapping about, like, recycling. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> but that moment alone shows that Data is a person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it totally, he totally does. He did not have to go say that. No. He goes out of his way to say that. Yeah, good point. Right there, Data's personhood in that last. I, I really love that moment. Yeah, it is a really good one. Like, hey, I've got your back for that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, just one little bit of interesting trivia for this episode. So this was written by writer Melinda M. Snodgrass. This was her first television script. Wow. Um, she actually used to work um, in an attorney's office. Um, so she kind of brought that whole, you know, mentality to this. She has gone out now to write, write, like she's written for a whole bunch of TV shows. She's actually now like a sci-fi fantasy author. Um, but at the time, Gene Runberry almost shot this whole episode down because in his utopian vision, he was like, there are no lawyers in the future. So this wouldn't happen. And she was like, are you insane? It's like, even if somehow no one ever did anything bad, you would still need lawyers for like non-criminal stuff, like yeah. contracts. And Notaries. Like, and like, <laughs> you would still have to have, he was like, written oh, wills. All right, you can Some do it. people call me space lawyer. <laughs> Some call me the gangster of love. Oh my God! Could you imagine if some people going? Wait, there. Maurice was the guy who worked on this, right? Yeah, Maurice Hurley. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, folks. It's all come full circle. Seventies um, folk rock. Also, for those of you who don't know, there is an extended cut of this episode that I still have not seen. Cool. But if you get the Blu-ray, like there, the, the episode went too long, but there are a whole bunch of other scenes that they had to cut for it that expound upon further stuff. So. Might be fun to, to watch that at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, well, awesome. That's one thing that I really missed from the era of, I mean, I still have a lot of physical media, but you don't get audio commentaries anymore. You don't really get deleted scenes anymore. And it's like, I just want to hear people talk about. Talk about the stuff. Yeah, that's and give content. like that behind yeah. the scenes context. Um, mm-hmm. I miss it. It probably doesn't stream well, because there's a lot of people that really aren't into that. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm sure that's what it's money driven. I'm sure streaming's just ruined it. 
It all used to be incentives to buy the disc. Mm-hmm. You better believe I listened to all those commentaries and watched all those documentaries on the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Extended edition box sets. That's one thing that I think is really nice about uh, the Criterion Collection is any uh, film that they decide to remaster and re-release, they are they are going really deep on having all those contextual features and Mm. just really enhancing your understanding of what you're watching. I think a bloopers reel should just be mandatory. It's almost like you know how at the end of Marvel movies they have the end credit scene. Give me like a blooper reel at the end yes. of every yes. movie, playing every during show. credits. Yeah. I I miss that. Any, yeah, that's I think above all else we need that, or even just like the pretend ones, like Toy Story. Yeah, like <laughs> Toy Story mm-hmm. too. Like, I mean, minus uh, like Kelsey Grammer, like uh, Prospector T, like Barbie in her little box. Oh my right. god. <laughs> Ooh, has not aged well. Uh-uh, aged like milk. But the rest is really funny. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. Um, well, Ellen, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Um, we will definitely have to do this again. It's not like we're going to have you just do another one right after this. Right, that'd be crazy. <laughs> that'd be crazy. Who on Succession that? Sunday, I mean. <laughs> Who has the time? We will get you back real soon. But thank hopefully this has... One well, one quick question before we go for this episode. Uh-huh. Comparing this to Encounter at Farpoint. Oh. What's the better episode? This one, 100%. <laughs> and I feel like I was a pretty game audience for that one. You were. You actually I liked it. A lot of people were like, oh, my God, that episode. Mm-hmm. It was the many skirts for the men that. I, I think so, yeah. Just the. <laughs> the skanks that kept us engaged. It's a quality. <laughs> you know what? I dig it. With it. Yeah, that was um, a fun episode. Well, we will have you back on real soon. Real, real soon. Um, for a season three episode. Um, moving right along. Well, thank you all at home for listening. Um, next week, we're going to be getting our second episode in our little season twofer. We are going to be watching Q Who. Um, oh, it? I love her in The Grinch. Who? Cindy. Cindy Q Who? Cindy Q Who. <laughs> Who was only Different two? Q-Hoo. Different Q Who. She's, she's a pop star now. <laughs> Cindy Lou Who, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yes, once again, our good friend Q is going to be back along with some new friends. And you longtime fans, you know exactly what's coming next week. And oh boy. Um, and not only is Q coming back, but our good friend Jake Barnes will be back Woo. on the show as well. Always Buddy. love having Jake on. Um, all right. Next time, Q who? Until then. Toodaloo. 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 Ta-ta for now. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to share us your own Star Trek story... You can email us at storiedstartrek at gmail.com, or you can visit our Discord server. You can find us by clicking on the link in the show description.